This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Episode 9, Switzerland and the Cuckoo Cocoa Man Susie's hand slowly reached out to touch the spinning globe. The globe turned to liquid and then sucked her hand into it. Down a swirling vortex she went, followed by her brother Sawyer, both screaming even though they'd experienced it several times already. The thrill of globetrotting never got old. It was like shooting down a dark water slide without the water and without getting a wedgie. 
When the twisting and turning stopped, their surroundings unscrambled themselves. Goo, that's chilly, Sawyer said, crossing his arms over his chest to keep warm. Remind me to thank Gramps for the coat. Susie put on the gloves Grandpa had handed her just before stepping through. How did he know? Sawyer shrugged. It's Grandpa, the most interesting human being to ever walk the earth. He's probably a psychic. He said he had a hunch when he was giving us this stuff. What else did he give you? Susie asked. Apart from the warm clothes, just this thing. Sawyer pulled a Swiss army knife from his coat pocket. The red plastic with a white cross bulged with knife options. Sawyer could barely get his short fingernail in enough to flip the knives out. You're more of a Boy Scout than I am. Wonder why I didn't give it to you. Because the guidebook's enough for one person to worry about, Susie said. Now, let's figure out where we are. She scanned over their surroundings. From what she could tell, they weren't in any immediate danger, so they had that going for them. They were standing in the middle of a town that looked like it was some sort of mountain resort. The lodge-style shops had been modernized. One had a fast-food logo above its door, and another next to it had a poster advertising outdoor apparel in the window. Despite some of them being mall-like, the stores were rustic and charming. Most had flower baskets and cutesy window shutters. Above their roofs were jagged, snow-capped mountains surrounded by thick swaths of pine forest. Sawyer scrunched his nose. Wait a minute, are we in Colorado? Susie's wandering gaze stopped over his shoulder. Guess again. Sawyer turned to see a huge mountain peak stretching high above the town and slightly bending at the top like a crooked finger. He recognized it immediately. That's the Matterhorn! Wait a second, we're in Disneyland! Uh, quick, you go get a fast pass for Space Mountain, and I'll go get one for Indiana Jones. Sawyer. Okay, okay, I'll pick you up a churro. Sawyer. What? We're not in Disneyland. Sawyer took another look around. But... You're right, that is the Matterhorn Mountain, but it's the real Matterhorn. Oh. Uh... Where's that? Susie opened the guidebook to the S section. Switzerland, she said, stopping on the page. We're in the town of Zermatt. The words faded onto the paper under her finger. It's a mountain resort in the Swiss Alps and home to the iconic Matterhorn Mountain. The Alps is one of Europe's great mountain ranges, and it winds through the countries of Switzerland, France, Germany, Austria, Italy, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Montenegro, Albania, and Slovenia. Whew. The Alps cover over 65% of Switzerland's land area. Dang, that's a lot of mountains, Sawyer noted. Uh, yeah. It says here that we're supposed to climb up the Matterhorn to get an amazing view of the town and surrounding area. It sounds like we shouldn't have too much trouble communicating with the people here. Even though Switzerland's official languages are German, French, Italian, and some ancient language called Romance, most speak at least a little English. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Sawyer looked around. Should I get us a month's stay at this hotel over here while you read? Susie looked at him indignantly. 
<laughs> Fine, let's go. They headed through town and started their hike up the Matterhorn. As promised, the views were spectacular. More jagged snow-capped mountains could now be seen, trailing off endlessly in either direction. The town below looked like one of Susie's fairy gardens, tiny and whimsical. A group of hardcore hikers passed them on the trail. They were taking bites of something square and brown in their hands as they walked. What were they eating? Susie asked, starting to feel a little hungry. Probably granola bars, Sawyer said. Hikers are weird about those things. A minute later, Susie stopped another passing hiker who was also eating the brown square. Um, excuse me, may I ask what you're eating? The blonde woman smiled down at Susie from her thick ski coat. Aw, cute little American girl with negligent parents. This is chocolate. Swiss chocolate. Some of the best. Want to try? Susie beamed and nodded while Sawyer declined graciously. He was more of a sour candy guy than a chocolate lover. He liked his treats so sour they'd basically fry his taste buds for a week. He'd been missing the sour zing ever since he'd blown through his Halloween stash. The woman broke off a piece of her chocolate bar and handed it to Susie. "'Enjoy your time in Switzerland!' she said sweetly before continuing down the trail. Susie popped the chocolate into her mouth and chewed. The texture was silky smooth, and the flavor was rich and sweet. Mmm, this is amazing! Oh, wow, look, I'm drooling a little. That's my mouth crying tears of joy. She dabbed the drool and then opened the guidebook. I wonder if this says anything about Swiss chocolate. Let's see. Yep, says here that Swiss people eat more chocolate than anyone else in the world. Milk chocolate was invented here in 1875 by chocolatier Daniel Peter. Apparently, Swiss chocolate is creamier due to its higher milk content and has less cocoa and more sugar. And Susie, hold on, there's more. Susie! Sawyer tugged on her jacket and pointed up the trail. What? She looked and saw something big, white, and furry barreling down the mountain towards them. What is that thing? Sawyer started backstepping. Remember the Matterhorn ride at Disneyland? The part where you go through the cave? Yeah, so? Oh, boy, she said, realizing what he was referring to. The Yeti Snow Monster, they said in unison. Let's get out of here, Sawyer shouted. Without looking back, they ran and slid down the trail as fast as they could. When they reached the bottom, they only ran faster. Kids, kids, slow down, called a man at the bottom of the trail. What's the hurry? There's a crazy snow monster chasing us, right? <sighs> Sawyer looked back to find nothing in pursuit. The man chuckled. Yeah, the elevation will do that to you. Here, nothing a little chocolate can't help. He handed them each a chocolate bar and silver wrappers. Susie immediately unwrapped hers and took a big scrumptious bite. Oh, my, that's good. Where do you get this stuff? The man smiled. That brand right there is some of our finest. You can get it on a much bigger scale in the city of Lucerne. Go to the Chocolate restaurant and order anything from the menu. You'll never want to go home after eating at that place. Mmm, thanks for the tip, 
Susie said, forgetting to swallow before talking. She handed Sawyer the guidebook. Come on, let's go. Sawyer froze and stared at the guidebook in his hands as if he were holding a briefcase full of money. Susie cocked her head. Sawyer, it's a book, not a baby. Lighten up. We're not going to need it on this trip anyway. I know exactly where we're going. Her chocolate-crazed eyes took in the silver chocolate bar. What do we do now? Sawyer whispered, holding it out away from him like it was about to explode. Nothing. Just hold it. I'm letting you be the bookkeeper just this once, and you've got it easy. You don't even have to open the thing. Hurry, I want to catch the next train to Lucerne. Hours later, after a beautiful train ride through picturesque Switzerland, they arrived in Lucerne. The gorgeous city stood amid snow-capped mountains and the pristine Lucerne Lake. The Rus River wound up through it like an emerald vein, the famous covered chapel bridge from the 1300s reaching over its banks. Buildings boasting the best of medieval architecture lined the streets. Amidst them, Sawyer and Susie were asking for directions to the Chocolat restaurant. An older couple pointed to where they needed to go. Susie practically marched all the way there, each step more determined than the last. Sawyer was nibbling at his chocolate bar for the first time. He kept having to swat Susie's hand away every time she reached for it. When he took his first real bite, his eyebrows shot up in surprise. Holy cocoa, that's good! I don't even like chocolate! Now he too was marching to get to the restaurant. Pretty soon they were running up the restaurant steps and being seated at a table overlooking the lake. The setting felt a tad too formal. Something more fitting for an anniversary dinner or Valentine's date, rather than a spontaneous outing to satisfy a chocolate craving. The table was secluded and adorned with a white linen tablecloth and a vase with white roses. Next to them, a mirror image of the Swiss Alps rippled in the lake. Susie looked up from her menu at the waiter. Um, yes, we'll take the chocolate castle, firework, flower bouquet, and one of every truffle. Er, better make that two of each. The waiter looked at her like she just offered to buy the restaurant. Susie, shouldn't we order some real food first? Sawyer said out of the side of his mouth, for once in his life being the voice of reason. Oh, sure, go ahead. Sawyer ordered them some of Switzerland's most famous food, a steaming pot of melted cheese fondue with little pieces of bread and potatoes for dipping, then a plate of roasty, thinly grated potatoes fried until golden brown. Though admittedly delicious, Susie hardly touched either of them. She was saving all of her room for the chocolates, and the wait was well worth it. Once their dinner plates were cleared, the signature chocolate creations were set before them. A chocolate castle with a working drawbridge. A chocolate firework that started as a little cannon and then burst into strands of different chocolate flavors when you pulled on the wick. Then they ate a colorful bouquet of chocolate flowers, fragrant and succulent. And lastly, Susie tried every single flavor of chocolate truffle. Sawyer was starting to feel sick, and he hadn't eaten half as much as Susie. That girl could put it down. The waiter came up to check on them. Everything to your liking? More hot cocoa? Mm, we're good, thanks, Sawyer quickly said before Susie could ask for more. The waiter looked over his shoulders and then leaned in. 
I'm not really supposed to do this, but you're obviously chocolate aficionados, so I owe it to you. If you want to try the very best chocolate, you need to go straight to the factory. Nogard's Chocolate in Zurich, Old Town. It's owned by the famous chocolatier Luca Nogard. It's a big red-bricked place with a chimney. You can't miss it. Thanks, Susie said, delighted. As she dabbed the chocolate from the sides of her mouth, the waiter wished them a pleasant evening and then left a note for them on the table. Thinking it was the check, Susie opened it only to find a single line saying, Meet me at the chapel bridge. Bring a truffle. Susie tried to ask the waiter who the note came from, but he couldn't say. So instead of consulting the guidebook and against all instincts, they went to the covered bridge. They had barely arrived when a man wearing a hood approached them. Good, you're here, the man said. I was starting to think you wouldn't come. Did you bring the truffle? Susie shook her head. Oh yeah, sorry, they were too good. I ate them all before I read your note. The man looked perturbed by this, like he was ready to push them off the bridge at the news. Instead, he resorted to pacing back and forth. That's okay, it's okay. No big deal. Everything will be just fine. You didn't need it, William. No, you didn't. Push through it. Push! Finally, once he'd composed himself, he took off his hood, revealing a mess of frizzy brown hair. My name's William Wonka, and I have reason to believe you children are in trouble. It seems troubled children are all I deal with these days. His beady eyes looked upwards. Most are downright rotten, actually. Are you kids rotten? Mm, Not usually, Sawyer answered. Good, Wonka said, relieved. All I can say without putting you in any more danger is to stay far, far away from the chocolate. Chocolate. Just saying the word made him smack his lips. No way! Susie shouted. Shh! Wonka hushed, looking around with paranoid glances. Keep it down! He looked at Sawyer. I thought you said she wasn't rotten. I'm not! Susie said even louder. This is our trip, and we'll eat all the chocolate we want. I don't care how. I want it now. Wonka cringed at the familiar command. Whatever you say, Vi... I mean, what are your names? Sawyer started to answer, but Susie held up her hand to stop him. We're done here, she said with her token royal flair. She pulled Sawyer away and left Wonka alone on the bridge. Wonka cringed at each child that passed him. Ungrateful, rotten creatures, he muttered. Sawyer and Susie caught the next train to Zurich, the biggest city in Switzerland. Like the other places they'd seen so far, Zurich too was graced by a beautiful mountainous backdrop. From the train station, they took a bus through the city until they reached Old Town, The historic heart of the city was charming and lively, with its pedestrian-only streets, quaint cafes, cathedrals, and quirky boutiques. At the end of Talstras Street, they found an old factory. Eroding red bricks stacked in odd patterns made up the walls, and sticking out of the roof was a giant brick chimney with the words, No Guard Chocolate. Sawyer and Susie looked at each other and shrugged. 
When they walked through the doors, they were sure they were at the wrong place. The factory looked as though it had been abandoned a hundred years ago. Everything was rusted and covered in dust. Old clunky machines connected by cobwebs filled the main room. Desks with broken wood chairs held rusty typewriters. Carts missing wheels lay tipped over, and old papers and boxes littered the floors. Here they were, expecting to walk into a chocolatey wonderland, only to find a spooky warehouse. Sawyer held the guidebook a little closer. Yikes! Let's go before we catch the plague. Hold on, Susie said, walking slowly up to a broken chair. For a moment she studied it. Fragments from the split wooden chair leg lay just under the table, but there was something off about the pieces. Instead of splintered chunks of wood, she found powder, brown powder. She dabbed her finger in it and lifted it to the tip of her tongue. Sawyer rolled his eyes. Okay, Sherlock, you gonna start licking the tabletops? Come on, this isn't a crime scene. Let's leave. Suddenly, Susie reached down and snapped the other leg off the chair. Well, it's official. You're a vandalizer, Sawyer said. Susie lifted the broken chair leg and took a loud, crunchy bite out of it. Sawyer frowned. A vandalizer and a crazy person. Susie tossed him the chair leg. Try it. It's chocolate. Bewildered, Sawyer took a bite. She was right. It was milk chocolate. They looked around the room and started to realize that everything was made of chocolate. The brown boxes, the rusty machines, the desks, the typewriters, the carts, all of it. Pure chocolate. Just as Susie considered going on a chocolate-eating frenzy, the lights above them turned on. Bright light filled the room as they squinted up at the huge dangling bulbs. We didn't do it! Sawyer shouted, throwing his hands up in surrender. Nobody responded. The light was growing weirdly warm. Then it became weirdly hot. Then intensely hot. So hot they were starting to sweat. Why do I feel like I'm in a sauna? Sawyer asked. Susie looked around. It's melting the chocolate! Sure enough, everything in the factory was starting to melt. The machines and conveyor belts sagged and broke off in wet, gooey gobs. Tables dissolved into brown puddles on the floor. Typewriters caved in on themselves before disappearing into the growing pond of chocolate at their feet. The floor groaned beneath them, and then there was a loud slurping noise followed by gurgles. They looked and saw in the middle of the room a whirlpool, gulping down the melted chocolate like a sink drain. Sorin and Susie felt the cocoa current pull them towards it. I think we're about to become chocolate fondue! Sawyer shouted. Grab my hand, Susie said, grabbing hold of Sawyer just before they were swept off their feet. They slid across the factory floor and dropped down the gaping hole in the middle of the room. Down and down they went, sloshing through a massive tube of chocolate until they were spat out onto a hard surface. Melted chocolate poured down over them until the last of it dripped down from the ceiling in loud drops. Wiping hot fudge from their eyes, they looked out at a dark, empty room. Something big clamped down above them. Once the spotlight came on, they could see what it was. They were trapped in a giant, rusty birdcage. Man, this place is like a really bad dream, Sawyer said, examining the bars. 
Well, la-dee-da, what do we have here? Came an annoying voice in the dark. A figure stepped out of the shadows into the spotlight in front of them. It was a blonde, heavy-set man. He wore a big white fur coat, a white bow tie, and an apron made of colorful candy bar wrappers. Sawyer recognized the white fur coat immediately. Hey, you're the Yeti from the Matterhorn, he accused. The big man scrunched his head back, forming a few extra chins as he touched a finger to his lips. A Yeti? I guess I've heard worse, but that's kind of mean. You two little rascals ran away from me. The man shouted random words as he spoke. Why are you trying to catch us? Susie asked desperately. The man's fat face instantly changed to playful and childlike. <laughs> ah, Susie, I knew you'd like my chocolate, but I never guessed you'd get hooked. Susie's jaw dropped. Then she reached into her coat pocket and pulled out her silver candy bar wrapper. This is your chocolate? That is correct. You're Luca Nogard? Sawyer asked. Yes, sirree. The famous chocolatier. The inventor of the greatest chocolate delicacies the world has ever known. You know those cute little chocolate rabbits? The twins nodded. I invented those. And then they went and made them hollow, he screamed. You never answered my question, Susie pushed. Why are you trying to capture us? How about you check that wrapper you got there? Go on, open it up. Susie unfolded the silver wrapper to reveal a black symbol of a dragon inside, with the name Nogard below it. Does the name look familiar? Luca asked gleefully. Susie and Sawyer studied it for a moment and then read it backwards. Dragon, Susie mumbled. Your last name is Dragon spelled backwards. You're a member of the dragon? Sawyer asked. Luca laughed. <laughs> that is correct. A member of the original Nogard crime family, known to most of the world as Dragon. You stepped on our toes around the world one too many times there, Missy. Sawyer looked offended. Hey, what about me? Luca shook his chubby cheeks. <sighs> sure, you too. He nodded to the silver wrapper that Susie stared at in disbelief. Not exactly your golden ticket, is it? Not quite, came a voice in the dark. They turned to see a frizzy-haired man in a purple coat walk into the spotlight. Wonka? The kids said together. William Wonka held up his hand at them. Just shh before I change my mind. Well, la-dee-da, if it isn't Cousin Willie. I thought I put you out of business years ago. Wonka winced. Don't flatter yourself. It was a couple of bad loans. You had nothing to do with it. Luca frowned. Ah, if you'd only opened up that Swiss bank account, you'd still be putting down that chocolate river of yours on that trippy little tugboat. I've got a few Swiss bankaroos myself. Maybe I can lend you one. Enough, Wonka shouted. The beckoning call of the gooey chocolate under his feet was starting to get to him. 
He licked his lips, but then shook off the temptation. Let the kids go. You've got bigger chocolates to cook. But these chocolates keep getting bigger every time I try to ignore them, Lucas said with a twitch. They're going nowhere. We'll see about that. Wonka charged Luca, tackling him to the chocolatey floor. The two chocolatiers scuffled like two kids fighting at recess. Get out of that thing! Wonka shouted to the kids from a headlock. It's made of chocolate for crying out loud! Stunned, Sawyer and Susie took a closer look at the rusty cage bars. Sawyer scraped the surface with his fingernail. Powder flaked off. Yep, it was chocolate. He remembered the Swiss army knife Grandpa had given him. He pulled it out and started cycling through the options, looking for a sharp knife. No, 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 no. He mumbled in frustration as he flipped through a can opener, tweezers, a little hook, a nail filer, some corkscrew thingy. Come on, he shouted. Finally, he resorted to filing away at the cage bar with the nail filer, slowly whittling down the pull of chocolate. Why did they invent these things? He said in agony, his fingers burning from the effort. Susie ran up to him on the other side of the bars. Sawyer, stop! Not now, Susie. I'm almost... He looked up at her. How did you... He turned and looked at the other side of the cage. There was a huge hole in the bars. He looked back at her. Chocolate caked her mouth. What? I was still hungry, she said. Hurry, we gotta go. Together they ran for the exit door at the far end of the dark room. Wonka, seeing their escape from his scuffle, tried to make a run for it too. He jumped up and followed after the kids, firing everlasting gobstoppers from a slingshot back at Luca. Luca army crawled across the floor over to a lever, trying to dodge the ricocheting hard candies. Finally he reached it and with a hearty laugh pulled it down. A huge chocolate gate started closing down over the exit. Sawyer and Susie ran harder. The gate was half-closed. They ducked under it just in time. Behind them, Wonka dove and tried squeezing through the opening, but it was too late. Ah! He shouted as the chocolate door clamped down on his leg. Sawyer and Susie ran back to help. No go, he ordered. Save yourselves. His breaths were deep and slow. You two are the most normal kids I have ever met. You deserve to be free. Tell my Oompa Loompas that they're late paying rent and to stop swimming in the chocolate river. It's making the chocolate too salty. We promise, Susie assured him. Wonka waved them off. Now go. I'll be fine. Sawyer and Susie turned and ran down the chocolate hallway and out of the factory. Almost as soon as they did, they heard a gonging noise in the street. They looked at each other in a panic and ran as fast as they could towards the sound. Gong! Gong! They rounded a corner and looked up at the clock tower. The giant hand clicked down onto the floor. Gong! Everything spun into darkness until they found themselves standing in Grandpa's study. Oh, not the Afghan rug, Grandpa cried, jumping up from his wingback chair. His eyes slowly traced the goo on their shoes up to their chocolate-covered bodies. 
Oh, Switzerland, he grumbled. I knew it. Oh, boy, Sawyer said slowly. That's not a phrase I like to hear from you, young man, Grandpa said. Oh, boy, what? Susie looked at Sawyer's empty hands. Sawyer, where's the guidebook? Sawyer forced a smile. <laughs> Whoops. Raise your hand if you love chocolate. I've got both hands raised because I am a chocolate lover. My personal favorite would probably have to be hazelnut chocolate, like Nutella or Ferrero Rocher. Not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but they're delicious. When I lived in Spain, I remember having these little Napolitanitos at this pastelaria. It was a little pastry shop. And they're like these little buttery croissants pumped full of hazelnut chocolate. And it's so good. It makes me cry because it's so good and I miss it. Oh, man. Oh, they're so good. I'm going to look up a recipe for those. Napolitanitos. They're so good. I hope you guys enjoyed this story about Switzerland and maybe learned a thing or two. Maybe you didn't know that the Matterhorn, the big fake mountain in Disneyland, was modeled after the real Matterhorn in Switzerland. Or that Switzerland actually has four different official languages. German, Italian, French, and Romance. That last one is unique to Switzerland and is only spoken by 30-something thousand people. It's pretty cool. I didn't even know until this episode that fondue is Swiss. But it makes sense. And maybe... You didn't know that Swiss people eat more chocolate than any other country. Each Swiss person consumes an average of 20 pounds of chocolate a year. It's about the size of a small to medium-sized dog. A dog of solid chocolate. That sounds kind of like a dream. And I thought, what better way to pay tribute to chocolate than to have a standoff between Gene Wilder and Chris Farley? Uh, but looking back, I'm not exactly sure how I got there. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the story. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Share the podcast on Facebook. Let your family and friends know about these stories and help grow our little army of Rocketeers. You guys are awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next Monday. This is your host... Greg Webb.